3: As we welcome you along uh, to the program, I mean, literally, that's that sad news of the death of uh, Des O'Malley is literally just uh, breaking. We're expecting more to follow uh, throughout the morning. But 82 uh, years of age, and he'll be well remembered by uh, so many, many people all over uh, the country, not just as a leader and uh, one of the founder members of the Progressive Democrats, but he was one of those much-loved politicians uh, as well. So sad to hear the passing of uh, Des O'Malley. Certainly a bit of good news for the 18 to 34-year-olds uh, today with the news that the vaccination portal has opened for the 18 to 24 year olds, they can now uh, register for a Pfizer or Moderna. Jab, and that's a week ahead of what was to be the anticipated date that the portal was to uh, open. The, the HSE is fast-tracking the offer of these vaccines to the younger age groups as supply improves, and obviously, there's the threat of the Delta variant, uh, is intensifying, and many of those young people want to go away on foreign travel. And of course, we know we have the reopening of indoor hospitality. Uh, since Monday of this week, that same age group had been invited to opt in for an AstraZeneca vaccine but the speeding up of the vaccination rollout to susceptible younger groups comes amid evidence of a rapid growth of the highly infectious Delta variant in the younger age group particularly the 16 to 18 year olds the 19 to 24 year olds and the 25 to 34-year-old age group. And of course, they are all the age group that are unvaccinated. Uh, so the as and from today, Wednesday, 21st of July, 18 to 24-year-olds are being offered a COVID-19 uh, vaccine. Now, this is the same age group that are, are already being offered the single-dose Janssen vaccine in a participating pharmacist. And if you've already registered at a pharmacy and you're still waiting on your vaccine, the HSC are saying please still register at the HSC.ie because a Pfizer or Moderna vaccine may become available to you uh, sooner. So certainly some good news for the 18 to 24 year olds. And actually I heard a family member who should remain nameless because she'd be mortified if I'm talking about her on the radio. She registered for the when they opened the portal. uh, She actually registered yesterday. They opened it on Monday for the AstraZeneca. So she registered yesterday morning to say, yes, I'll take any vaccine that's available uh, to me. And within hours, she got a text message to call her for a Pfizer shot in the Mallow vaccination centre this Saturday. So she's absolutely delighted with herself. So there's obviously available Pfizer vaccines and they're trying to get as many of them into the arms of 18 to 24 year olds. So if you are an 18 to 24 year old and you haven't already registered with the HSE please go online hsc.ie and of course if you're unable to go even though that age group I take it well able to work their way around uh, a website uh, they, 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 if you can't register online you can also call the HSE live on the 1-800-700-700 so that number has changed for the for the rollout of the vaccination 1-800-700-700 that's the HSE uh, live get registering please let me go back to this Wonderful weather that we're experiencing now. We are officially in a heat wave as and from a yesterday. And today's day, today, somewhere in the country, they are expecting that the highest temperature in living memory. Will be recorded, and they're expecting that some parts of the country could swelter in heats today of 32 degrees Celsius. Will it beat Ireland's all time heat record, which was Kilkenny Castle in 1887 when they recorded 33.3? Only time will uh, tell Um, the weather experts say the all time record is unlikely to be broken by the heat wave of the past week. But you never know. And the heat wave is due to a high coming up from the Azores and the Jet Scream. Stream. The modern high in living memory was 32.2, and that was recorded in 2006. Do people remember the heat wave of uh, 2006? But they say there is the potential to surpass that today. But it's more than likely going to be up the country from us here, somewhere northern inland areas they're expecting it to be really really warm a status yellow alert is in place for most of the country Uh, parts of the country have actually gone to status orange but it's it's mainly around Cavan, Monaghan, South Leecham, Roscommon, Longford and Westmeath the rest of us and particularly us down here in the south it's this status yellow alert I met Erin say that it is going to stay in place until 9am on Friday morning and then it's around 9 a.m. on Friday morning, that they're expecting that the heat wave will break and we will see the arrival of Atlantic showers. And then next week, we'll revert to more normal July uh, temperatures. Met Aaron say it will remain extremely hot until Friday. And today, is likely to be the hottest day of the year, and then it will turn a little cloudier and more showery for Saturday and Sunday. And the official heatwave will be broken. The Irish Cancer Society, obviously, continuing to urge people to please protect themselves from overexposure to the sun. The Gardaí, health officials, elderly care groups are all out urging people to please take precaution, particularly with sunstroke and heat uh, exhaustion. I mean, the intense heat... Has now started to melt the tar on the roads in some areas, and the Road Safety Authority are warning of sun glare for drivers as well. So please be careful. But I even noted yesterday the few times that I was in the car looking around uh, at people, and it's great to see people out in summer clothes and young young people out in shorts and t-shirts, and it's lovely to see it. But you could you could clearly see evidence of people who had been sunburned and got, and we've all been there at some stage and the pain of uh, sunburn. And then lots of the papers today are giving tips on how we can cope with what is expected to be the hottest day of the year and how to survive this heatwave at the moment. Seemingly one of the main uh, tips is as soon as you wake up in the morning is to drink a glass of cold water. That's seemingly a great way to start the day and obviously then throughout the day it is important to constantly rehydrate. Keep drinking your water throughout the day. Now, avoid the sun, they say, between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. And I always thought that you should avoid the sun from midday. I thought it was 12 12 p.m. to 2 p.m to 3pm. I thought that was to be the hottest part of the day but it seems some of the papers today are saying no, it's 11am to 2pm because the sun is hottest between those hours so try to avoid being outside in those times in order to avoid heat exhaustion or heat stroke and I read with interest that the Chief Medical Officer Dr Tony hoolham was offering advice on heat exhaustion and I just thought bless his heart it's a change for him having offered Covid advice for the last 18 months so he was to talking about heat exhaustion. Now he says heat exhaustion usually is not serious and it's it's not serious if you can cool yourself down within 30 minutes of realising that you're beginning to suffer from heat exhaustion. And he said signs of heat exhaustion, it includes a headache, dizziness, you can get confused, there's a loss of appetite, you can start to feel sick, fast Uh, breathing your pulse starts to raise you can get a high temperature of 38 uh, degrees and obviously with heat exhaustion you're going to feel extremely thirsty now Treat it then, and you should be okay. But he says if it's not treated, that then leads to heat exhaustion, then leads to heat stroke, and that means the body is simply no longer able to cool itself down. And obviously, then you need to you need to be treated then as an emergency. And then I suppose counterintuitive to what we normally think in warm weather, the suggestion is we should keep windows and curtains closed if the temperature is hotter outside than it is inside. The idea behind that is it shuts the heat out and then it keeps your house cooler. However, if it's cooler outside than it is in your home, then a pleasant breeze... (laughs) <laughs> there's no harm in that in opening the windows and I certainly thought yesterday evening probably eight half eight that sort of time we had the back door wide open windows and doors open and doors trying to let a breeze run through the house and at one stage this cool breeze came in and it was oh we all went together going oh it's that gorgeous uh, breeze leaving your windows open for a small portion of the day early in the morning and again in the evening closing them during the hottest part of the day is probably the best advice to uh, all of us and then And when you are out and about in this sunnier weather, it seems our eyes are not used to having sunshine this strong that's why we should be wearing sunglasses when outside and you should be wearing sunglasses especially when driving the Road Safety Authority warning road users uh, you need to wear sunglasses because that reduces the glare by wearing the sunglasses so pop the sunglasses on it's not just so you can look cool and then this is the one this is the ultimate tip that I came across today in the papers for a cool night's sleep and lots of people have been complaining that they can and sleep at night and if you could just get off to sleep you'd be fine but it's the getting off to sleep if it's really hot and sticky in the room and how do you do it here's a tip for a cool night's sleep refrigerate your bed sheets half an hour before you go to bed well God bless anyone that has room in their fridge to take all of the sheets off the bed and put them into the fridge leave it for a half an hour and then make up make up the bed <laughs> there wouldn't be room in my fridge for us that's for sure 1850 333103 and Anne says thank God delighted to hear you say that this heatwave wave is going to break on Friday. Oh, that's Tim, sorry. Bring it on, says uh, Tim. And Tim is with a cohort of people who just feel at the moment it is literally too hot. Our listener says, Patricia, what is wrong with some people? Why do people always moan about having nice hot weather yet they will be the very people jetting off on holidays to Spain etc where the weather is even hotter? It's supposed to be nice and hot and sunny. It's summer time for heaven's sake. It'll be raining from Friday and the rain probably won't stop until next February or March so enjoy this fine weather while it lasts because knowing Irish weather it definitely won't last says a uh, texter and then Carol was on uh, she heard me mention that when I, when I was driving yesterday was particularly when I was going I was picking up uh, Marsha yesterday afternoon it's kind of around three o'clock, Mark, and I, I thought it was lovely to see so many people out and about and people, you know, y- young girls dressed in nice shorts and T-shirts and people in summer outfits. And even though I did spot a couple of people who looked to be a tad sunburnt and you felt like rushing out and if you sunscreen on, you get in, get, in, get into the shade. Um, but Carol said she was listening to me talking about people walking around dressed nice and summery. And Carol says... What do people think about men walking around with their tops off Are men just wearing string vests? Now, Carol feels, this is Carol's opinion, not mine. Carol feels some men should simply not be walking around with their tops off or wearing string vests. She said, I'm not saying that they all should be full of muscles. But she said, no, please. Some of those guys need to look in the mirror before they head out. Maybe with just a little string vest on or maybe they think "No, I'll get the old bit of a tan while I'm walking around I'll just whip off the top and go for my walk just with my shorts on and walking around topless have they not looked at themselves in the mirror before they leave their homes and Carol wants to know what do other people think is anybody else offended by the shape of some men walking around with their tops off during the sunshine or just wearing a string vest your thoughts welcomed. 18.50 333
2: Court today on C103.
4: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G
3: Now the Alliance for Insurance Reform have accused insurance companies of not doing enough to tackle fraud and they then pass on the cost to policyholders. Director of the Alliance is Peter Boland uh, who joins me. Good morning to you Peter. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. Do you believe it is easy in this country to get away with fraudulent or exaggerated claims?
5: Well, frankly, yes. Um, we don't have uh, the full banking legislation to deal with it. Uh, and what you refer to was spotted by uh, Justice Nicholas Kearns and the Personal Injury Commission back in 2018. When they spotted that the insurers just don't have the resources uh, to detect fraud, um, and they recommended at the time that insurers step up their anti-fraud capacity through the recruitment of suitably trained personnel and the development of various technological means of combating fraud. Now, even before that, Conor Faulkner, who at the time was uh, the public face of AA, uh, went in front of the Finance Commission uh, in 2016 and said that while insurers are actively incentivized to understand the cost of fraud and to make sure they're not exposed to it, once they can put a number on that and charge the punter, they are not incentivised to fix the problem. So essentially what that means, in layman's language, is that it's often super quicker and easier to pay the bill on a fraudulent or exaggerated claim and pass it on to policyholders.
3: So these claims are settled out, they don't even make it to the steps, they don't even get into the courthouse?
5: No, about 74% of all personal injury claims are settled privately between insurers and the plaintiff's lawyers, um, and the vast majority of them, only a handful, would get to the steps of the court. The vast 74%. majority of
3: them are settled 74%? That's, That's
5: correct. That's yeah, huge. That's huge. Now, when PIAD, the personal injuries board was set up, the whole idea was that they handle all the settlements. But that has been fundamentally undermined by the legal profession over the last sixteen years or so, to an extent where uh, they have less than twenty percent market share, so to speak, at this stage, Patricia. So the, the typical claim now, valid and uh, dodgy, uh, would go to litigation, uh, where all it does is create additional legal fees that doesn't earn, earn any more for the, uh, for the Um and uh, in that typical bunch are the fraudulent and exaggerated ones. And we have many examples which members have spotted over the years and, and there's probably increasing coverage of them in the, in the papers as well. So it's, it's, it's been acknowledged for a number of years now that insurers need to step up to the mark. They've been blaming fraud as one of the main reasons for high insurance costs in the country for the last decade. And yet, when it comes to it, they're quite happy to facilitate the fraud uh, in cases by paying
3: out. And and they and that, they really are the ones that can sort it out by investigating these cases.
5: Well, they're the gatekeepers. They have all the knowledge um, and certainly there are some insurers out there who have done a terrific job. Um, I, I'm not telling stories out of school as I mentioned Aviva. Um, because they've been quite public about this, they have about 40 staff uh, involved in fraud detection and prevention uh, and uh, have many retired guarantees and retainer on these issues. And they are very proactive. And there are a number of others who are like that as well. Uh, But then there are other underwriters operating in Ireland who have virtually no anti-fraud capability. And we haven't seen anyone stepping up to the mark and increasing their capability in this area. And so it came to a head last week when the government uh, published its update on what they've been doing on insurance. And on that issue, stepping up their anti-fraud capacity, the, the government reported that insurers run an annual training seminar, hold regular anti-fraud forums, and meet regularly with the Gardaí to ensure a coordinated approach to tackling suspected fraud insurance. So essentially what they're saying is that they're combating fraud by having meetings.
3: Not, certainly not good enough and not enough. Would it cost the insurance industry a lot though to investigate those cases? I mean, is, is, that, is that where the problem lies?
5: Well, this is this is what we get back all the time: is that it's cheaper to settle. Um, so, if an insurer puts a reserve of say seventy five thousand on a claim, all in, including legal fees and all the rest, and it looks like they can settle it, despite the fact that it's unbelievably dodgy uh, for fifty, then that's saving the twenty five. And their primary focus is on quarterly profits, so that's. Uh, a no-brainer from their point of view. However, as as a, a barrister once explained to me, um, if you have a bunch of noisy teenagers outside your house at two in the morning and you go down and to get rid of them you give them money, that's fine tonight, but
3: what's going to happen at two o'clock tomorrow night? Yeah, when a bigger gang arrives. And it also yeah. explains when, you know, you will see, uh, you regularly see it in the papers of somebody who's been to court numerous times. you think thinking, God, are they that unlucky that they can be involved in that many accidents or have that many trips or falls?
5: Well, certainly the, the legislation is starting to, uh, to come into play. So uh, the Perjury Act uh, has uh, been enacted signed by the President for waiting for it to be commenced um, and it would certainly appear uh, uh, although I wouldn't say this is a long term development board it certainly appears that judges are more aware of the damage that these claims do so there is a little bit more commentary on that but the reality is that if over 70% of of, of claims in general are being settled privately by insurers then there's no daylight being shown on and that is, mm. that is what our, member, our members are saying, because we have many examples where members would have written to the insurers and said, this is a fraudulent claim, under no circumstances settle it, and the next thing they know uh, their premium has shot up again
3: because they've gone and settled. Yeah, and that to me is the real frustration here, the uh, insurer, the person paying the insurance has no say in it
5: Correct Um, Now, there was new legislation brought in a year ago. So, for smaller businesses and for private individuals, insurers are obliged to at least keep policyholders up to date on what's happening now. Um, We're we're not convinced this is happening all the time, um, but at least they they keep them brief. But at the end of the the day, the decision lies with the insurer. And uh, whilst it makes complete long-term sense as you've already acknowledged, uh, to fight these claims and dissuade claimants from putting in more dodgy claims, uh, that's not the way insurers are looking at it. And that's evidenced by uh, the settlement rates being so high and so few fraudulent cases uh, being pursued, given that insurers have always insisted that this is at the heart of the problem.
3: Okay, we spoke to you, I think it was about a month ago, and we were d- discussing uh, PIAP the person's Injury Board. Any sign of motor insurance premiums falling? Um,
5: early days yet, Patricia. Um, no concrete evidence on it so far. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what the CSO data says in the short term and then what the central bank are seeing, seeing in the long term. But certainly the feedback we're getting is that a motor, uh, while it may not be going up dramatically, not coming down, and that's despite uh, damages coming down, and of course uh, the pandemic uh, putting a hold on virtually all social activity over the last 18 months or so, Uh, and what we're clearly seeing on uh, business and voluntary group insurance is that there are sectors that are still seeing serious increases.
3: Okay, and with hospitality, indoor hospitality about to reopen. Fingers crossed, hopefully from next uh, Monday. Insurance costs still a huge issue. Huge, many huge businesses. issue. Yeah, yeah. Many, I, I, think I mean, there some won't open. I mean, that's the, that's the nuts and bolts that's of it, isn't it? I, see it. Yeah. I, I think
5: some won't open, and listen, there'll be multiple reasons for that. We're in the middle of a pandemic still, but certainly what I'm hearing is that for many insurance, it's an enormous issue. They haven't got any uh, refunds from their insurers for the fact that they were closed. Uh, And if anything, uh, on hospitality, uh, many are looking at increases this year. So it just goes back to what do we do. Government is at the heart of this. And if government marked that action on fraud uh, detection by insurers completed because they were having meetings, that's not completed. Uh, that's just a kick to touch. So, as with all of the reforms, it's up to government to make sure that they're implemented in a way which is meaningful uh, and is going to bring down insurance
3: costs. Okay, um, and many people I can see by text contacting us on this, on this fraudulent issue saying that it's, it's, it's simply time the government needs to act. Uh, Peter, uh, thank you for that. Uh, we'll chat again, but in the meantime, uh, enjoy the fine weather and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Peter Boland, Director of the uh, Insurance, the Alliance for Insurance Reform. I'm just seeing so many texts and calls uh, coming in, reacting to Carol. Just before I went into Peter's uh, piece, I mentioned that Carol had uh, contacted the programme talking about men. Uh, walking around with their tops off our men wearing string vests and she was saying some men just don't have the bodies for it and that they shouldn't be walking around like that have they taken a look at themselves in the mirror before they actually head out somebody said if a man said that about a woman they'd be murder and the feminist brigade would be out in force for body shaming double standards here you don't have to look at them Carol just look away and get on with your life there's plenty of bigger problems out there that says Uh, somebody by uh, WhatsApp. And then Anne says, Patricia, I think that Carol is right about topless men. They come in all shapes and sizes, but they seem to be able to get away with flaunting their flab says Anne. Jackie out in Two Pot House says, Sadly, the men who strip off in hot weather are of the opinion that they're absolutely gorgeous and they're driving us ladies wild. If only they knew, they can actually make us feel quite nauseous at times, says Jackie. And someone else says, Patricia, I just want to say to Carol, shut up. We have enough men batters to last a lifetime. Carol should look at herself and her female friends going around pulling up their tights to show off their body parts. Oh, I think we've started a real war here this morning, or has our Carol? 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
2: Court today on C103.
4: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group, From motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie.
3: The Celiac Society of Ireland is launching its first major research campaign into the disease as an estimated 37,000 people across the country are living with the condition undiagnosed. CEO of the Celiac Society, Jill Brennan, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Jill. Hi, Patricia. Uh, Thanks a million for having me on. Well, listen, you're very welcome. I suppose start by reminding us what celiac disease is and how it actually affects people.
1: I will indeed, not a problem at all. I, I'm often asked to do this, so I have it off my off-house. I have now this stage. Uh, celiac disease, Patricia, is a lifelong illness where your immune system basically attacks your own intestine when you eat gluten. Um, and this does, as a result, it does significant damage to your gut, so you're unable to take in nutrients. So it's actually very dangerous in that, it, obviously, gluten is in pretty much everything we eat. It's in wheat, barley, and rye, so it can be found in pasta, cakes, breakfast cereals, most types of bread sauces um and beers in particular um as well because they're made from barley so when you don't um what happens when you eat uh, gluten uh, or anything containing gluten is that you could, the most common symptoms of it are basically diarrhea, abdominal cramps and constipation. But there are other associated and less common symptoms that are linked with celiac disease and that's one of the reasons why we want to carry out this study because uh, we found, have found from our, our existing membership that um, we are having children who are registering uh, with delayed growth and development uh, in, 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 because of celiac disease and um, infertility is a huge issue for men and women as well in relation um, to uh, undiagnosed celiac disease. We have I could give you case study after case study of women who have uh, joined the society who for years were having terrible problems um, conceiving, having multiple miscarriages. Um, And when um, somebody mentioned celiac disease and they were diagnosed with celiac disease, they were pregnant and having kids within 12 to 16 months.
3: Goodness, goodness.
1: Are you born with the condition? Um, yes, uh, because it is genetic. So, it, but it can doesn't necessarily manifest at um, at birth. So it's something that can lay dormant in your system for a long time before it's actually triggered. Um, and this is a, probably, a, this is a problem, and again, some more research needs to be done on that in relation to um, how many much of the population it actually affects. Um, in Finland, for example, um, they have carried out significant research into their population and uh, in relation to celiac disease, and the incidence rate in, in Finland is actually nearly 3%. So 3% of their population uh, is suffering from celiac disease. Um, the common Northern European average is 1%, and that's what we're going off at the moment. But that's again comes back to why we want to carry out this research. Mm-hmm. We want to know what the incidence rate and the prevalence rate are, um, of the disease is and where in the areas of the country that there might be higher prevalence than another. So for example, I am based off our existing database, which is nearly 12,000 uh, lines of data in it in relation to our membership over the last Fifty years, Uh, Cork actually has a very high incidence rate. Seventeen percent of our membership over the last couple of years has come from Cork.
3: Is that could that be to do the diagnostics are better in Cork? Oh,
1: probably, given that it yeah. is the second capital and all that, but yeah. uh, it could be. Again, that's another reason why we need to carry out the research, is it that there there's a the more clued-in uh, sector of the medical community in Cork, and therefore when somebody presents with these symptoms of diarrhea, stomach aches, bloating, indigestion, or constipation, that they they right, well, we test for celiac, and then there's more being tested, or is it more the fact that this is, there's more prevalence? So again, this is again what the research wants to try and I suppose clarify uh, for people um, and to help them um, people when they do get diagnosed on their journey so we can actually use the research to, pa- to map pathways for their journey uh, to live with this condition
3: for
6: the rest of their life.
3: Because the symptoms you're describing, I'm thinking of people who are possibly listening today who are living with those symptoms and they might think it's something like irritable bowel syndrome.
1: Yes, it's very common that it is misdiagnosed as irritable bowel syndrome. Um, And that usually is done without a blood test. So that's why it's so important for to be actually rule out celiac disease or indeed to rule it in so you know now how to actually treat yourself. The most important thing to do is if you have these symptoms and you are concerned is to ask your GP to do a, a blood test. And basically what the blood test will do initially is it will measure these things called transglutaminase antibodies in your system and they are the TTG antibodies that are basically sent out to attack the immune system when you ingest gluten and if it's very high, your GP will then say right, now we need to get you sent for a biopsy and what that does is it takes a small little piece of your upper intestine um, uh, and it looks to see if there's any damage done to the intestine to the lining of the gut And uh, because the lining of the gut, Patricia, is covered in all these little things called villi and what the like, it, like it's like a brush so if you think about it like seaweed in the sea and as they the the you're ingesting your your food what that they do is they take all the nutrients out of the food that you've ingest, ingested and use it to basically fuel your body but if you don't have any of those billi or that seaweed in the sea well then you're not ingesting any of the nutrients and therefore you're now going to end up with a whole plethora of things happening to your body that um you, that 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 can actually be rectified if you stop eating gluten
3: because yeah, I imagine there must be health implications long term if you continue to live undiagnosed
1: Yes, indeed, there are, so for example, um if children are undiagnosed like i said uh, the the most common symptom, along with the uh, the intestinal problems is delayed growth and development, and I'm not just talking about your height. I'm talking about your brain development as well. We know how important it is for children to get nutrients in their system as they're growing because they're growing until they're into their their early 20s. And that's for both brain and body development. Um, Then the other thing, of course, that we have noticed and we want to look a bit more into is the prevalence of... um, of uh, Hashimoto's disease, or it's a type of thyroiditis where the immune system mistakenly attacks the thyroid gland. And basically, what this means is then that it bec- your thyroid gland expands and gradually swelling so it becomes damaged. And again, your thyroid is so important for the functioning of your body. And usually, when somebody has a thyroid disease, they're also offered, it should be also offered a test for celiac disease because the two can most likely go hand in hand. The other one that's also of great prevalence within the celiac community is type 1 diabetes. And this is preventable if you are diagnosed with celiac disease because it costs somewhere in the region, if I'm not mistaken, from Diabetes Ireland, almost 30 million per annum to treat diabetic adults. Mm. And the savings that can be made to the health system as well as to um, the the um, minding and the care of these people that can be made with just early diagnosis of celiac disease is phenomenal.
3: And there's a huge increase in people being diagnosed with uh, type two diabetes. You also hear type one
1: diabetes. That's most. Oh, it's type one. Okay. We
3: we hear a lot of people talk and will will openly say, "Oh, I have an intolerance to gluten." Is that Mm. very different?
1: Well, you see, again, this is why research is is needed into this, and unfortunately the research, the campaign that we're running at the moment is really just to do the demographic research and into the autoimmune, because the more, I suppose, medical side of research actually costs hundreds of thousands of euros, and we'd love to get into that, and we'd be very grateful if somebody out there had the donations to give us (laughs) to do so. But it's the thing is, there are two conditions that kind of run alongside each other. So the celiac disease, which we think currently affects about 50,000 uh, people in Ireland, and like I said, 37,000 of those are undiagnosed. But there's another condition called non-celiac gluten intolerance. And that affects, we figure, about 450,000 people in the country. Now, an intolerance is not the same as the condition celiac disease in that we're not, we don't know if there's damage being done to the small intestine. What we do know, however, is that it manifests with the same conditions, with the same symptoms as celiac disease. But an awful lot more research needs to be done into this because, again, people will tell you that when they cut gluten out of their diet, they feel so much better, even if they haven't been diagnosed with celiac disease, but they were having issues like the uh, ongoing intestinal problems. And problems with enamel on teeth is another one that people don't realize. If you have something wrong with your teeth, and this again happens in a lot of children as well, the enamel doesn't form properly. That's an indication of celiac disease. A lot of dentists actually uh, have uh, uh, put people forward for testing for celiac disease because of that.
3: Yeah, a listener, uh, and, and particularly on the on the gluten-free, I, th- I think you're spot on with the numbers as well because you're constantly hearing people who say, as soon as I've given up gluten or gone on a gluten-free diet, I am feeling uh, so much better. Uh, another, exactly. And a question from a listener, could you ask Jill, please, is spelt gluten-free uh, no. any good? Myself and my husband are both celiac. He eats it, it seems to agree with him, but I can't tolerate it.
1: No, spelt is not gluten-free.
3: It's not gluten. The, the
1: husband who is eating the spelt, I'm sorry, he's taking gluten into his system and he's damaging his gut. He may not be having the same uh, symptoms as his wife because everybody's celiac disease is unique. It's like everybody's pregnancy is unique. You can't be a little bit celiac. You can't be a little bit pregnant. <laughs> but you can But it, it, your reaction, your body's reaction to the gluten it manifests itself differently. However, the damage is the same. Okay, That's the underlying message that if, if you may feel nothing if you eat gluten but you're a celiac, I'm telling you the damage you're doing to your gut is the very same.
3: Get rid of the spelt. Okay, I don't want to let you go without mentioning the fundraising that you're doing at the moment, uh, Jill. Tell me about that. Thank
1: you. It, the 5 for 500k celiac challenge is really happening all week but mainly we're hoping that people will really get out on the 24th of July and do... Five fun things to help us raise much needed funds for this research into celiac disease in Ireland. You can do five of anything handstands, cartwheels, throw welly, five, five Ks, five do what I'm doing five leaps into the sea off the 40 foot in Dublin I've well done. Uh, I, I done one already but my god I didn't realise how high it that was is when I got hard. up there yeah. I, 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 stood, I was looking at them from below and I thought "Sure, I can do that no bother. And I stood, I stood <laughs> up on the, on the bloody thing and I went yeah. oh mother of divine I think and I'm, I'm not sure I can do this and I don't know what's down there but I did one
3: well and done. I'm off to do
1: another one this evening thank god for the good weather that's all I can say so for those people who are interested in donating or seeing how we're getting on, we do have a Facebook group. Um, you just go on to celiac.ie and you can find out all information there about the Facebook group um, and how to donate via our GoFundMe page as well. And really, like I said, we, uh, we're just doing five fun things. One of the members of the team has cooked in five counties already and she put up all the recipes and the locations she cooked in around the country already. Uh, we have our, our one of our team in Sligo who's out taking pictures every day of the beautiful cycle countryside as she's doing her 5k walks this week. Um, and really it is just about having a bit of fun while raising this much needed research funding to find out more about um, celiac disease in Ireland because it hasn't been done before. And the, the database that we currently have is really the only register even of people in Ireland with celiac disease. But like I said, it's very small. If there's 50,000 people plus with Celiac Disease in Ireland. We've only got 12,000 lines today. Yeah, there's so, so, many, out
3: there. there's yeah, is so many out there. Yeah, we need to know
1: so much more about this disease so that we can help people and support them on their journeys and help them to manage their, their condition much
3: better. Okay, so your website once again is? Celiac.ie, so C-O-E-L-I-A-C.ie. Okay, listen, good luck with the fundraising and I'll be, re- you, I'll be really interested in the results of the research uh, as well, uh, Jill. Uh, enjoyed our chat. Thank you for that. And Thanks, uh, for, thanks, me, you, Patricia. thanks for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jill Brennan there, who is CEO of the Celiac Society. And of course, we had a lovely chat with Neve Scally on the gluten-free kitchen and the range of products that she's doing out of uh, West Cork as well.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Now we had a flurry of reaction to Carol, one of our listeners who was picking me up in a comment I made when I said it was lovely when I was out driving yesterday to see people out in shorts and t-shirts and the fine weather and people enjoying it and you know it almost at one stage looked like I was away on holidays the way people were dressed and it was lovely to see people out in their summer attire and that led Carol to say yeah while well, that's all great she wanted to take some men to task particularly men that are walking around topless or just wearing a String vest, And she's particularly talking about men who might be a little bit rotund and a little bit chubby around the middle. And uh, she says they need to look in a mirror before they head out and decide to take off their tops or to wear string uh, vests. Now, we've had some people agreeing with Carol and we have other people dis- disagreeing with Carol. John O'Donovan from the city has contacted us, taking great umbrage to Carol's comment. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, for How are you? you uh, very well, uh, thank you. You think Carol is being very sexist? Well, it's not
7: every day like, that a radio presenter gets a text or a card from a goddess. Because obviously that's what Carol is, you know what I mean? And if she's a goddess, well done to her. But I'm sorry the rest of us that like, in mean, are not Adonises, our goddesses out there, right? Well, we live in an imperfect world, like, and we're an imperfect people. Now, this fine mother at the moment, obviously, people are uh, taking off the nails, and thanks for the God, because, I mean, we've been through to go through again after what we've been through already. But, I mean, to make a comment like that, if it was the reverse, Patricia, they will, your switchboard and your text machine would go into meltdown if a man had made that comment. Yeah, well,
3: own. I have to say a number of men have made that exact point and have said yeah. that. that, that yeah. If that had been said, if John in the city had rang up and said that women need to be taken a look at themselves when they go out, there absolutely uh, would be war. Even though having said that, Women do get similar comments. They do, but
7: nobody should get any comments. Me and men are female because, look, people are, are, are as they say, are taking off the nails. You know, they're trying to get it. Well, I'm told all the time, You've had a lead sandwich yourself. She's always banging the drum about the vitamin D. Yeah. You know, here's loads of vitamin D for free. Yeah. Now, obviously, you have to be careful. You have to use some factor and stuff like that. But to actually say, like, I mean, that people, just because you're carrying a few extra pounds right, as the male of the species, right, and you're wearing your shorts, and you're wearing your string vest or your T-shirt, right, you are quite entitled to go out and absorb your vitamin D and enjoy the, 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 the what you can perceive to be a good day for you right, walking around in the sun or, or sunbathing or whatever, without somebody passing a comment. I mean, they, they, maybe I'll, t- I'll give you a scenario, and you know, all, that maybe it might suit this lady down to the ground. We'll get the government to pass the bill, right, and we'll have only just one special day where all the not-so-perfect people can come to town, you know, and they can wear their shorts, their string vests or whatever, so that this lady then, and people of all can think like that with that mentality... That she can come to Town then for the the other six days of the week and she won't be coming across those people who will upset her so much. Like, I mean, it'll discommode her day so much.
3: Yeah, and people have got to be allowed to be comfortable in their skin and that's yes. really what it's about but I wonder and I know myself and John Paul every morning one of the first things is, is we do is we have the chat about Love Island it's kind of our guilty pleasure uh, throughout, mm. throughout the summer but I sometimes wonder when you have programmes like that on TV where all the men are like Adonis's they all are the body beautiful and so are the women is well, that see, not helping the case?
7: Well there was a, a problem with that as regards young people themselves that do watch those programs they can us they talk to a lot of people right across the spectrum and they get all types of views and comments. And the thing is, they see Patricia, when they see the guys like that, all the guys want to have the six-packs, no? they want to have the chest, they want to have the arms, the whole lot, the build. And unfortunately I know people working in the fitness industry and they said like a lot of guys know they want to fast track it because it takes a good while to build up that kind of muscle, that tone, you have to dedicate yourself with the sleep. you diet. You have to dedicate yourself to the exercise regime, training uh, nearly every single day. And what a lot of guys are doing now, they're fast tracking and they're using steroids. Yeah, that's
3: so dangerous. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, so yeah. dangerous. Yeah.
7: and uh, it is very dangerous yeah, because it can make a man infertile. I mean, there's huge prices to be paid for taking that kind of stuff, long term or even short term. So, I mean, the signals, those programs are giving out, that's not reality, like me. I mean. That's not the army person you're going to see walking from McCroom abandoned today or Cork City, right? As I said, but we come in all shapes and sizes. But, of course, if Carol had her way, we'd all be perfect. Now, if she wants a perfect world, I suggest at the moment, Elon Musk and these guys and Jeff Bezos, they're all uh, sending
3: people into space. Maybe there's <laughs> another planet out there which would suit because obviously this one doesn't. <laughs> Noel is agreeing with you. She Noel says, I totally feel it's the comments that are sexist against men. Uh, we keep hearing from the feminist begrade... Uh, begre- Brigade and uh, rightly so in the past some women were treated very badly in society but not all men created that word Noel Fields body shaming is totally and absolutely unjustified and John would you take the top off yourself when you're walking around the city to get your vitamin D I,
7: I wouldn't take, take it would off the not? city because I, I just, but that's just me personally right you know I just wouldn't but the thing is like, I have no objection to see a person coming up against me that is overweight I'm not going to judge that person because it can mean that they're quite entitled to do that, take off their shirt and just have a, a T-shirt or a string vest, as, as this lady calls it or whatever. They're quite entitled to do that, the same as I see a person with a tattoo. I'm not going to judge this person and say, this is a criminal because you've got a tattoo. I'm sorry, no. I suggest had anyway that she go into the nearest optician and, and, and get the darkest federal sun that she can possibly get the way she won't come across these people <laughs> anymore
3: Viv- <laughs> Vivian is agreeing 100% with you John it takes time to build muscle John say, or Vivian says she was watching a show a few years ago uh, before Love Island started and it was t- chatting with some ex-contestants who said they were working out and getting into shape for months before they went into the villa so it's not that they go in looking like that there's a lot of hard work to get spot on in time for filming at the villa, many of the ex-contestants now say they have bellies. <laughs> that that was, it yeah. was it was it was only normal. And are you enjoying the fine weather, John? Are you? I It's good. I
7: know it's hard to sleep at night, I know, but yeah. I mean, look. Let's be honest. I mean, this won't last. So make the best of it, guys.
3: Well, yeah. Are you not one of those ones that goes around going off oh, for sake, I can't cope with this? I wish it would rain. Ah,
7: oh, Jesus, no. no. Look, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, how many summers uh, in the past year have been very bad? And we were wishing for weather like this, and we have it. That's well done for it. Yeah,
3: let's let's enjoy. It. It's meant to break on Friday anyway, so enjoy the last few days of it. Uh, John, thank you for that. Stay safe. Thank you. Put on your sunscreen if you do. If you're taking your top off. Thank you. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, John O'Donovan in the city. Somebody said, would you give a, a shout out, please, to Sarsfield's minor hurlers? They're taking on the Glen tonight. Best of luck, in particular, to Kean Mulcahy between the posts as a goalkeeper. Uh, Best of luck to all involved. There, I mentioned earlier when and John picked up on it there saying it can be hard to sleep at night and one of the tips that I'd read about was to put your sheets into the fridge before climbing into bed and it gives you a nice cool bed. Somebody says, Patricia, sheets should not be put in the fridge or the freezer. They'll cause condensation on the bed. So I checked out what you're meant to do if you do decide to put your fridge, your sheets into the fridge or the freezer. Uh, They suggest what you need to do is you need to put it into some kind of a ziplock bag to stop the condensation. That's what they suggest you do. So you pop it into a ziplock bag to keep it dry. You put it into the fridge or the freezer, freezer ideally for a few minutes and then put it onto the bed. But seemingly you only get momentary uh, momentary relief at best because what happens is your body heat will warm up the sheets after a few minutes if you want to want to give that a go a go and then someone else says this is back to vaccines on airtel last night a listener says it says one in five patients uh, are in hospital with covid have been fully vaccinated i don't understand am i missing something here i am over 80 can i still get infected even though i have had uh, two uh, jabs and yes uh, that information did come out uh, yesterday from the uh, hsc they were giving the numbers that are in hospital at the, at the moment and thankfully the numbers in hospital are not that uh, high the numbers up to last night fell from 101 to 89 and the numbers in intensive care remaining stable at, uh, twen- at 21 uh, and they're putting the low numbers in hospital down to the effect of more people being fully vaccinated and although one in five patients, and remember it's a very small number in hospital, but one in five have been vaccinated but those people are not getting very sick and end up being discharged. I mean if you look, the, the discharged for yesterday alone when the numbers went from 101 down to 89, so 12 people were discharged uh, yesterday. And just once again to explain to people about the vaccines, the primary purpose of any vaccine including the coronavirus vaccine is to prevent us all from getting really sick with the virus and it has become, and it became with the vaccines it became quite clear very quickly that the vaccines that are used all around the world are highly effective everything from the AstraZeneca to the Janssen to the Pfizer to the Moderna. They are all highly effective but there is no such thing as a 100% perfect vaccine. There is no vaccine. There's never been a vaccine that will 100% stop you getting uh, coronavirus but what it does is is if, if you get it, vaccinated people can still get it. There are a small proportion of people will get it and it's what they call breakthrough infections. That's someone who's been fully vaccinated who still gets it. Very, very small proportion but what it does then is if you are unlucky enough to be in that small proportion that get it, you don't end up getting very, very, very sick. Again, a small number will end up in hospital. Nobody knows if it's an underlying condition that they're in hospital with and they just happen to have COVID at the same time. But generally speaking, the majority, if you're vaccinated, get COVID and you are lucky enough to end up in hospital, you'll be discharged usually uh, pretty quickly. And there's also good evidence coming out now that vaccinated people, um, how they're, they're unlikely to pass on the virus. The evidence is increasing. And of course, all of the time, the scientists are looking at the evidence as more and more people are getting vaccinated and evidence is increasing that not only does COVID-19 vaccines either stop you getting sick or substantially reduces the severity of the, syst- the symptoms they're also likely to substantially reduce the chances of transmitting the virus to others and that's the one I think that's going to become more and more important with more and more people getting uh, vaccinated uh, 1815 333 103 John Paul continues to take your calls and you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 C103 jobs. An electrical apprentice is wanted for a small electrical company that's in Bandon. While Longerville House Hotel in Mallow, they've got a vacancy for a housekeeping assistant. An admin support agent is wanted that's for work in Blackrock in uh, Cork. While Super Supervalue in Mallow, they're recruiting sales assistants and they're going to hold walk-in interviews this Saturday between 9am and 12.30pm. You can call into the store and ask to speak to somebody at Customer Services on Saturday. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to C103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C one O three.
4: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
3: Now Ireland is set to train a new generation of repair technicians. It's in a bid to prevent thousands of tons of electrical appliances going to waste to discuss the new circular economy skill initiative course. I'm joined from We Ireland by Elizabeth O'Reilly. Good morning to you Elizabeth. Good morning Patricia. And, and you're welcome to the programme. Has it simply become too easy for all of us to simply throw out something electrical that isn't working properly? I think there's
1: part of that. Certainly people are maybe looking more at to buy new than repair. But I think there's also, we, we have a generation maybe before us that, that had a waste not, want not mentality. And I think some of us are just trying to get back to that again. Certainly a bit better for the pocket as well if we can repair rather than buy new every time.
3: And can many electrical appliances simply be fixed? they can. I mean there's so much that we
1: obviously can do to make sure we're using them correctly and I know I'm guilty myself for not always reading the the manual when I, when <laughs> I get a new appliance. And and so there's I mean there's great warranty and guarantees now that come with electrical appliances that you know all of the retailers can tell you about. But there is there's hundreds and hundreds of people employed in the re- repair industry in Ireland in appliances and all of the brands have service engineers here. The problem is that they are getting older and while they have a wealth of knowledge and expertise, we don't have a new generation of repair technicians coming up the line so we need to recycle that knowledge uh, as well as the appliances and uh, that's where this new training course is coming in.
3: Yeah because certainly when I was young, I remember we had like the TV repairman I mean, do we now have a shortage, is that what you're saying, of these people who can repair washing machines or fridges or dishwashers?
1: We do, we do. I mean, the last, the only course um, that was ever sort of run here in the last, Decades was back. It was back in 2007, um, and you know, ran for a very limited amount of time. So there's no pathway here for somebody who wants to formally train and get a recognised industry qualification in in repair as engineering or field service technician, which is the, the formal name for it. And and we hear from the industry, and we we Ireland work a huge amount with the, the manufacturers and the brand owners of all the appliances we have in our house. We hear from them that they just can't get people in. They haven't got people with the skills coming to them. If that's needed so yes we, we really need the, these type of courses to, to train and be able to fix and we're all crying out for I think ways that we can make positive changes to the environment in our own lives daily and if we want to repair something we want it done properly as well
3: and it's the environment will be the real winner here won't it? It will, and, and of course us as well, You know, in, in
1: we, if you have an appliance that's broken down, if your washing machine is broken and you need you have a family to to, to, to clothe and, and make sure that everything's clean and ready for school or work the next day, you want it fixed as soon as possible. You want to be able to trust the person coming in, and you want to know that the standard of repair is of high quality. So, you know, the environmental side of it is so important too because we're saving on the resources that go into making those products in the first place you know, if we prolong the longevity of each appliance. So it's a win-win from either of us, but certainly from a consumer perspective, we want to be able to access those repair services as quickly and, as I said, with quality as possible.
3: Yeah, and as you say, the householders, the amount of money that you'll save, in particularly the larger electrical items, they can be quite expensive, the larger white goods.
1: They can. And I mean, you, if, you've, if you've invested in, it's very much like, you know, if, if you own a car, if you've invested in that car, you want to take the time, you know, to have it serviced, to have it repaired, rather than thinking about, am I going to be buying a new one, you know, every second year or third year? So I think if we've made that investment in electrical appliance, then absolutely, we want to know that we can get it repaired. We want to know what the, the lifespan is of it. And we want to know that the person repairing it qualified and you know it's going to leave you with the guarantee of the work done so i think all of that's leading towards what we've been trying to do on this new training program that we're really excited to get up and running here in ireland
3: yeah and it also might stop uh, unfortunately you still see it in and unfortunately in scenic areas people dumping those white goods and it frustrates the life out of me because any of the electrical stores will take them back
1: that's right and we've spent the last 16 years in, in We Ireland building up the recycling infrastructure here in Ireland and we're very proud of that. We've done that on behalf of the industry and you can bring back any old electrical appliance to your electrical retailer for free recycling and I'm sure it's even more accessible than, as you said, drive, driving to somewhere remote and um, uh, to dump it which is just a horrendous thing from environmental impact and, and certainly just from littering and, and the sites that we all see so free recycling has been available, and we've worked very hard to, to have that accessible to everybody over the last two decades. But what we want to now do is also encourage before recycling, if we can repair first, and it's bringing us back to this circular economy ethos, which is a new, and maybe not so new, because it's fact that waste-not-want-not-thinking um, drive across Europe as well as Ireland, we a whole new focus on how can we move away from a sort of linear, you know, make, break and dispose and to a more circular one. Yeah. And um, it makes sense at the end of the day.
3: And go back to what our parents and grandparents uh, did; they wouldn't dream of throwing uh, something out. Uh, just by the way, when, when we do drop those items back to the electrical stores or, you know, many of the stores, if they're dropping off the cooker, they'll take the old one uh, away. What happens to them?
1: Well, they come into the Wee Island recycling system then and we work with Irish recyclers. I think that's a story that people don't know about. We have fantastic partnerships with KMK Metals Recycling in Tullamore and Kilbegan and the Irish Lamps Recycling. at just just to name two names there. And they take those appliances and they break them down into their component parts. They take out the hazardous substances. That some of the older appliances in particular the more sort of legacy e waste can contain and they manage that properly. And the whole idea is that they recover and reuse really as much as the components and materials in different fractions as possible. So we get between eighty and ninety percent recovery from you know each appliance that comes back into the recycling system, which is amazing. And as we said then the ha- any hazardous material that's left is, is managed appropriately. So it's a very positive environmental story from, from that perspective with recycling. But what's if we can sort of bring it further up the waste hierarchy, if we can prevent it from, from even getting into recycling in the first place, where that, that machine can be fixed or where that device can, can be repaired, that's,
3: that's even better for the environment. That's that's a bit, that would be the better. real win-win. Making making says though the problem makes says, The problem I think with electrical repairs is that new electrical appliances are way cheaper today because of technology and spare parts and labour can be very expensive. At times it's much easier and sometimes much more costly. To ju- much cheaper to just go out and buy something new. Is that an issue? I mean, I think if
1: we've more repair
3: technicians, I think that issue will, will, you know, is something that we can mitigate
1: against. So the more repair technicians we have, the more both the industry and then independent repair companies in Ireland are able to get up and running and have, you know, skilled people working for them. I think we're going to find as consumers we've much more choice in that area. And then I definitely think we need to, to look before we buy as well and see, you know, is there a better version of this product available? How long is it going to last? I appreciate, you know, budget's always going to be a concern from everyone, but if we can invest a bit more in a longer life product, will that work? And that's something we're going to see a lot more of coming down from the European Commission And that the labelling of products is really going to help us in the next few years by, you know, the green criteria. Is it durable? How recyclable is this? How, um, how much can it be repaired? All of that we're going to be able to see a lot more of when, when we're shopping. So, yes, we're all very price conscious, of course, but um, I think environmental consciousness shopping is going to be say, a bigger part of
3: what we do. Okay tell me about this uh, training course you to start in uh, September. Who's it open to?
1: It's open to, to all applicants and they would be applying through our training partner ie, and it's anybody looking to maybe start out a career pathway who's left school and wants to, to train as a repair field service technician or perhaps somebody who wants to reskill in that area. This is a pilot program but it's been so well supported and so popular already. We're very confident that it's going to be continuing beyond this year, given what we've talked about and given the needs that we have. So there'll be 20 technicians on the first run of this project. And then we are also hoping to run sort of a part-time version for people who want to upskill as well. So there'll be 26 weeks of sort of hands-on classroom training and then 12 weeks of guaranteed work experience within the industry, which which is really sort of a new innovation and and showing, you know, that hands-on experience is really what's required in Mm. the care section. We also have built a whole circular economy and sustainability ethos into the training programme so um, that those new um, trainees, you know, will be getting all of that sustainability thinking throughout their training
3: programme as well. Brilliant. And open to males and females? Of course, I want to to be able to
1: to call a repair woman as well as a repair man the next time my washing machine goes to the blink.
3: That'd be terrific. And people can find out more at uh, fit.ie. That's
1: right, they're our training partners, so they're working with ourselves, we, Ireland, and the White Goods Association to deliver this programme, and loud me, the ETB, have come on board. And again, as I said, we're hoping this pilot, if there's success that it's set up to be, that we'll be able to roll it out to, to training partners around the country, and so
6: hopefully
3: we'll it'll, see some in Cork too. It would be great, let us know, we'd love to have you back on to hear about Cork uh, training courses. Liz, in the meantime, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is Elizabeth O'Reilly joining us from We Ireland about the new Circular Economy Skills Initiative uh, course. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. 333 in Black Rock has been on about a completely different issue. Wondering anybody else having problems here with the delivery of parcels? Marion said she posted a parcel for her granddaughter. Now she posted it Tuesday night of last week, not, so yesterday week, the fourteenth of July, uh, to an address in Dublin, and it still hasn't arrived. Now she does; a, she has a tracking number, and she said the tracking says it's in Portlaoise today. When she was tracking it on Sunday, it was still in Cork, even though she posted it in Blackrock on. Tuesday and it was still in Cork on Sunday and it's now in Leash. So she said there very obviously is a delay. I mean I don't know, has it anything to do with, with time off? Is it holiday period? Is there less postmen and women are working? I wonder, I don't know. Uh, anybody else having problems? Like This is n- not outside the country because whenever we try and deal with Uh, parcels going to different parts of the world we get all kinds of crazy stories in of people waking months and months I mean after Christmas it was just incredible people who had started posting particularly packages to far flung regions Australia and New Zealand Uh, people were posting them in October and November and it was Easter I think before people's Christmas cards and selection boxes were arriving to loved ones uh, down under. So we're not talking about overseas, we're talking about here in Ireland. Have you posted a package to anyone in Ireland and have you noticed delays? Marion's wondering, is it just her package for some reason is on the slow boat to China or the slow boat to Dublin? 1850 333 John Paul, takes your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
2: Court today on C103.
4: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. From motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. Cmig.ie.
3: And uh, following our interview there with We Ireland and about training up these repair technicians, so that we won't have to all throw away all of our electrical goods. Someone is making the point that the older white goods in, from previous generations were made to last forever whereas today we're in a very throwaway age because that's one of the points when I was uh, speaking with uh, Elizabeth from We Ireland that the previous generation our mothers and our, our parents and our grandparents would never have thrown anything away they would have got it fixed and it would have been repaired and it's true you would hear of people saying that they had a fridge or a cooker that has been in the house for 50, 60 years and never broken down or if it did break down it got fixed whereas today are we in that sort of a generation as soon as something goes it's just easier to go out and buy a new one but I think that's the whole point of this circular economy skills initiative to train up these repair technicians to get us out of that mindset and to get into the habit that if something does go wrong with the fridge or the washing machine or the cooker that we will call in a repair technician. But it was, uh, on, it, was it was, interesting I thought listening to Elizabeth talk about how we haven't trained these uh, technicians in so many years and while there are repair men and women and I think more men than women out there at the moment uh, they're getting to retirement age and there's going to be a stage where we won't have anyone to do repairs so that's why they've started this. This is the first of this free training uh, course that's going to kick off in September and the whole plan is that there is a enough interest in this that they'll start to run more of these training programmes all over the country and we will end up with this new generation of repair uh, technicians. But I think that listener by text uh, is right. The white goods that were there from a previous generation, it did look like it does look like that they were built forever as opposed to the more modern ones uh, today. 1850 103. We're once again going to be joined by the extras coordinator for the TV adaptation of Graham Norton's first Novel holding and uh, Marie Boylan once again joins me on the program. Good morning to you, Marie. Hi, uh, how I are you? Looking like regular, uh, honest <laughs> to God, honest to God. Uh, by the way, when does filming officially start? Um, I don't know whether I'm allowed
6: to say that. But, oh, uh, is, it, is, it, is it soon? It's very soon. It's very Less soon. Less than a week away.
3: <laughs> okay, because because when we we heard that you were going to be coming on the program, we were talking in the office, saying, "Oh my God, to be filming in West Cork this week with the yeah. stunning blue skies." But you, it, it, it's l-
6: lovely, but it's actually not ideal conditions to be filming in because it's very hot. You know, people will be getting overheated. Uh, sun cream is required quite a lot. Uh, and I think for shadows in terms of lighting and stuff, it's actually not always ideal to shoot in this weather.
3: Yeah, actually, I saw pictures on the paper of the cast from Killing Eve. They're filming somewhere up the country and, mm-hmm. you, they were, and you could see they were trying to put the actors under shade. So I was thinking probably yeah. like the makeup is melting on their faces and everything. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So not, My previous
6: not job to this, I was working abroad in Fort Ventura and it was
3: pretty hot. And well, was that <laughs> filming? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you, you forget about that. And then, of course, as well, you can't have clear blue skies today for filming and then tomorrow it could be cloudy. Yeah, so yeah, have all yeah, that yeah, continuity, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's men of a certain age we're putting a shout out for today. Tell me more.
6: Yes, uh, well, basically, we've gotten a lot of applications from women um, and surprisingly enough, we are low on the men count, so we'd love to kind of put a drive out there Uh, looking for men of all ethnicities, anybody over 18, uh, from men who could be drinking in a pub, or who look like they could be drinking in a pub, or, you know, local farmer type, or like sporty young fellas, uh, cool, artsy, um, hipstery, kind of Chinese, black, um, whatever. Um, We're just looking for a kind of a push on men at the moment.
3: Okay. Anybody over the age of uh, eighteen is it? Is it yes. more? Is it more younger men, or is it uh, of of all ages over eighteen?
6: Um, I think ideally, kind of a younger between eighteen and twenty five would be amazing, and then uh, older anybody who's over sixty
3: five as well. Okay, because you've got to if you've read it, because it, it, the actual book holding it was mm-hmm. it's it's in a village in west cork so you're it you're tr- is, yeah. you're trying to think of if you think of any village in anywhere in anywhere in the country yeah. so it's yeah, exactly. made up of all different ages and all different shapes and sizes and all exactly, di- all different know, ethnicities there's
6: there's usually a lot of uh, young lads playing GAA on the pitch or you know you know that kind of way or um older men in a bar um or uh I can't really say too much more. <laughs> I
3: know, I know. You're, you're doing well. You're you're doing well, and we have we're a pains to point out every time we've spoken to you. This is paid work.
6: It is paid work. Yes, yes. Um, but it's a great experience to actually get out and see what it's like on a film set. Um, I there's a lot of people who we've been calling now Over the last week from West Cork, and they're all just really excited. Yeah. You know, oh, it's listen, just
3: a new experience. You know, fantastic! I, I, it's one of those bucket list things I'll eventually get around to. I'd love to be an extra. Oh, we're taking applications from you now Patricia <laughs> You know, <laughs> starring roles. There I am in the background. <laughs> it's, yeah. I th- now, what do you want from people? Um, they, they need to contact you by Gmail uh, and you need how much? What yes. kind of detail? So basically if they
6: email if anybody emails with an interest to holding extras at gmail.com we will forward on a flyer to them and they can uh, all the information will be on the flyer so it's basically a, a headshot photo a full length photo their mobile number their uh, email address uh, the general sizes and height and that's kind
3: of it. We'll, yeah. we'll catch it anyway in the email. Okay, and a photo. The, un, the you're still going for the un, unfiltered photo.
6: Unfiltered photo. Yeah, yeah. Just as clear an image as possible.
3: <laughs> the last time we spoke, you were looking for a little girl between five and seven. Did mm-hmm. you get? Did you get her? Uh, did yeah. you? Yeah, you yes, did. We okay, have. that's yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you, and you've had a pretty good reaction to people from West Cork coming forward as extras.
6: Oh, absolutely. I think um, like in in. For certain age brackets, we're doing really, really well, in particular with women. Um, And it is just about us kind of casting across all different age groups and um, ethnicities as well, as much as we can. But, yeah, we've had a fairly good response. Um, You know, we'd like to just put one little more push on it before we start filming. You know, we have 10 weeks
3: to shoot. And it's uh, between July and September, isn't it? you need to be available for...
6: Yeah, like, you know, it is, you're really realistically going to be filming one or two days. So, I mean, you don't have to be available for the whole time. Just tell yeah. us what your availability
3: is. OK, OK. All right. And hopefully, without well, giving too much away, from next week. Um, all um, right. Listen, uh, Marie, as always, good luck with it. And uh, thanks a so minute for joining us on the programme. OK, thank bye you very bye much. Bye-bye. Good morning bye. to you. That is uh, Marie Bo- Bo- Boylan, who is the Extras Coordinator with Holden. And the email address is extras. Holdingextras- at gmail.com. If uh, particularly males, all ethnicities, all backgrounds, particularly those aged 18 to 23, but even some of the older men as well. Wonderful experience, and as we said, it is a paid job, which I think is uh, terrific. Now we don't. I can already see some questions coming in for Peter Dowdle. Peter Dowdell, because of the fine weather, has decided to extend his holiday, and I think he is dead right to take extra time off and enjoy this wonderful weather. But he really promises he will be back with us next week to answer your uh, gardening uh, questions. So hold off on people who have been sending gardening questions in to us, please. But speaking of the fine weather, can anybody? Offer advice to a Mitchellstown listener who wants to know, is it safe to cook with gas? This is Gas Cylinder. The cylinder is outside her house, but she said whenever she's checked it at various times during the day, the cylinder can absolutely feel as if it's on boiling point and she's nervous. She has to keep it outside, obviously. She is trying to cover it, but she said it still is quite hot. Does anybody know? And listen, this listener isn't on her own. There's lots of people who have a gas cooker and they have the cylinder outside uh, is there any way to keep it as she says she is covering it but it still feels quite quite hot is it still safe to use the gas cylinder in this kind of incredible heat that we're having at, at the moment if anyone can offer advice on that please we'd love to hear from you John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103. with also a reminder that we have the C103 Smart Speaker Giveaway uh, we have another one of these great speakers to give away on the programme uh, today thanks to Dundee for all of Ireland's trusted car uh, dealerships we will want you in the next hour again don't do it yet. I can still, throughout the morning, since I've come on air this morning, I've been seeing texts come in with people trying to enter our smart speaker at uh, giveaway. Too early for you to enter. I will give you the cue to text or WhatsApp. but That's not going to happen until the next hour. And only then do you text. And then we'll leave it for about 10 minutes. And then we select one listener to join me on air. And of course, when you come on air, you need to be able to repeat the winning phrase, which is simply... Play C103. Play C103. So stay listening for that. That's all coming up. Going from Phil Lynn to another Phil, uh, who was listening to my chat with Marie Boylan, talking about the extras for holding, which is the. TV adaptation of Graham Norton's first novel. Uh, Phil says, "Push, I applied for one of the extras in holding. They said they would ring me back but I'm nervous about answering unknown phone numbers because of all of the bogus calls that are doing the rounds. Do you know might they leave a message, says uh, Phil. Well, John Paul is going to get back on to Marie uh, to check that out because yeah and listen Phil I'm I'm with you as well I do not answer uh, calls even the other day I saw a call I was looking at my phone and a number came up that I didn't know, And I'm not taking that in case one of the bogus calls now luckily the person who was trying to get through to me left a message and I was able to return the call and it was the first thing I said to the person by the way I didn't take your call because I don't answer numbers that I don't know and the person on the other end said very common thing to be happening had today. So listen Phil we'll get back on to uh, Marie just to check out that if people are not answering their calls in West Cork who have applied to be an extra to make sure that they leave a message so that you can call them back and you'll be able to have a starring role in the TV adaptation of uh, Graham's book 1850 333 103 we've got to take a break we have news at 12 uh, coming up in the next hour we're going to give away one of our C103 smart uh, speakers and I'm also going to be speaking with the lovely Anna Geary this is her TV show it's a two part documentary that she's really great show I watched last week's Why Girls Quit Sports so we're going to be talking a little bit more with Anna as to why do young girls give up sport
2: Court Today on C103
4: with Sean Cusack Insurance's consale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to cmig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Michael wants us to remember the late Des O'Malley. I mentioned this at the top of the programme this morning that the news had just broke at the age of 82. Uh, Des O'Malley, Lord your has passed away. Uh, Michael says, Patricia, our thoughts and prayers are with the family of the late Des O'Malley who passed away uh, today. Des was a prominent Fianna Fáil TD in the 70s and the 80s. He played a significant role in breaking the mould and moving away from civil war politics. He was 31 years of age when the then late Jack Lynch appointed him as Minister for justice, in which he did really make his mark. He made, took a tough stand with the IRA by introducing the Offences Against the State a- Act. Didn't realise he was responsible for that. Uh, Des was also a no nonsense style politician. You could say that he was a giant in Irish politics. Des was more concerned about the people and the country than himself and he feared nobody for those of us says Michael who had the pleasure of knowing Des he was a pure gentleman Uh, plus he was very fast in the tongue no airs and graces he was just Des may his gentle soul rest in peace and that's from Michael thank you for that it's a lovely tribute and a lovely memory of uh, Des O'Malley I remember over the years uh, interviewing him and I would have interviewed him at the time he put up in with the PDs I think at the time when I would have, uh, have interviewed him and I would agree he was always a gentleman always really lovely uh, to deal with. He will be uh, really, really missed and, and you're right, our thoughts and prayers uh, with his family who are going through a great loss uh, today. Thank you for that. Okay uh, before I go to that will I? we will we'll open the text message and WhatsApp now for the C103 Smart Speaker giveaway. Now is the time to text or WhatsApp us please. You need to send me your name and address to 0862 103 103, and then hold off for about 10 minutes and then stay by your phone please because we had huge problems yesterday when Bernie was sitting in for John Paul when he went off to get his second jab and we opened the text message in the, uh, WhatsApp and then I said to Bernie select a winner for me, please. Put the person through so we can ask them the winning phrase. And she had a dreadful problem trying to get through to people. So please, whatever number you're texting or WhatsApping for from Make sure that that phone is on and ready to take a call from us here, please, at uh, C103, because one lucky listener has to join me on air. I will ask you to repeat the winning phrase, which is play C103. And when you do that, you'll win for yourself a smart speaker. That's the C103 smart speaker giveaway with done deal for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. And when you win your smart speaker, that's why we're, we're, get, we're using the winning phrase play C103 because that's what we're going to ask you to do every morning. Just look to your smart speaker and say play, play C103 and the radio will be there for you all day. And actually it made me chuckle last week when we were giving these away. A listener sent me a text message saying that they would got a smart speaker at Christmas. And they're only kind of getting used to it because you can do so many fantastic things with uh, smart speakers and they're just a mine of information and you can, in my kitchen certainly my smart speaker is used every day as a timer. You know you're trying to cook something and what I love about it is you can set two, three, four timers all at the one go and it'll, the timer then will go off you. It's fantastic. And then you don't have to go over and touch anything. You can just say to the smart speaker to stop the various timer and it will. And a listener contacted us last week to say that she didn't realise that her smart speaker could also play C103. So she was delighted to have C103 playing on her smart speaker in the uh, kitchen. So get texting and WhatsApping, please now Oh eight six two. 103 103 and then stay by the phone because in about 10 minutes you may just get that call. We were speaking in the last hour about the new Circular Economy Skills Initiative. The whole idea is is to stop so many of us sending tens of Thousands of tons of electrical appliances going to waste every year, and instead we need to consider: is it possible that that electrical item could actually be fixed and call in a repair technician? But it seems we don't have enough repair technicians in this country. So we Ireland have uh, decided to run this new training course, which is going to run free of charge training course, and is going to run in uh, September. Someone Liam is making the point: the one thing about these training up these repair technicians and it's fantastic and it would be great, but Leam reckons one of the problems why people don't call out a repairman, is that there can be a call out charge that he says in some cases can be 100 euro for the call out charge. And then obviously if there's parts on top, it can prove very expensive that sometimes it might be cheaper to just replace uh, the item. Yeah, I, I mean, I did put that to I did put that to Elizabeth who joined us. Is is there a cost factor? But she's hoping that if there was more repair technicians around that perhaps it wouldn't be as uh, costly. And certainly on the larger white goods, there's no reason why we shouldn't be calling a repairman in. You're still going to save yourself money than going out and just buying a new one. And someone else is saying, uh, the lady talking about the repair technician course, uh, where is the course going to be held? And do you have a contact number, please, to apply? The course is going to be held in Dun, Dun. Dunshoklyn in County Meath. It's been run under the Louth Meath Education and Training uh, Board. Runs in September. They're hoping initially to get 20 trainees for the 26 week programme which is then followed by a 12 week guaranteed work placement with a leading white goods industry supporter of the programme. You can find out more at www.fitfish.ie They're the group who are actually running the uh, training course and I don't know, maybe somebody locally uh, would be interested in going to to Drum Shockland in County Meath to take part in the course but failing that we're going to keep a close eye on We Ireland because they're hoping that if this particular course is proving successful they're hoping that they're going to roll out more of these courses all around the country and maybe we'll end up getting one of these courses here in uh, Cork but for now the first one is in County Meath starting in September Hi Patricia would you give a shout out and advertise this for us please It's a coffee morning in aid of the Court MacSherry RNLI It's Taking place next Saturday in the Lifeboat Inn Garden in Court McSherry from 9am to 12 noon. Souvenirs will also be on sale on the day, and people's support would be much appreciated. And that's coming in from Paul Finn, the chairperson of the fundraising branch of the Court McSherry RNLI. And all of those organisations so need our support because their fundraising has been so depleted during all of the pandemic. Many of the really fantastic organisations that we normally always support and have no problem supporting. I mean people like the RNLI the work that they do and the volunteers that go out on those boats. They they need, they so need our support. So if anybody's in the Court sherry area, you might be holidaying you might live locally. Pop along to the Lifeboat in Garden next Saturday between 9 and uh, 12 for that coffee morning and good luck to everybody involved uh, there. Uh, hi Patricia Maybe people forget, oh, this is, um, the listener, the listener who contacted us because she read yesterday that one in five patients are in hospital with COVID have been vaccinated and the person was saying I'm fully vaccinated am I missing something here can I still get infected and I was explaining that there's no vaccine that 100% guarantees that you won't get the virus but what all of the vaccines do and are doing very effectively is if you are unlucky enough to pick up the virus then you're not going to become very sick and that only a very tiny number end up in hospital and even of those the majority, uh, will please God go on to make a full uh, rec- uh, recovery. Uh, somebody's making a point, an interesting point, which I, should, I suppose I should have pointed out as well, that people must forget that when they get their second jab, they may not be fully protected uh, f- with the vaccine until two weeks after their second jab and that people are putting themselves at risk. And there are a number of people who get infected during that period. And you're right, if it's AstraZeneca, you have to wait two weeks after your second shot then you're deemed fully vaccinated. If it's Pfizer, you have to wait seven days after your second shot to be deemed fully vaccinated and with the single dose Janssen, you get the one dose and then two weeks after your one dose you're deemed fully vaccinated and I'm open to correction but I think with Moderna, Moderna is another one of the two week ones. It's two weeks after your second dose. If anyone got Moderna, can you just, I'm sure I read it's two weeks for Moderna as well because not as many. Moderna is one of the ones that not a lot of people, a lot of Moderna has come into the country even though I think there's more to come in at the end of the year so we will be hearing a lot more about people getting getting their jab with uh, Moderna but I think it's two weeks for Moderna as well but you're right there is that period after getting your second dose where you're still not fully vaccinated and you need to be so careful but even once when you're fully vaccinated no vaccine will 100% guarantee that you're not going to pick up uh, COVID so we still need to that's why the mask wearing is still so important until we get to the stage where we have herd immunity where we have enough people vaccinated and the virus then has no place to go and then it eventually should disappear and that's why all over the world we're not all safe until everyone is safe hence the reason that we need to get vaccines out particularly to uh, third world countries and while I mention third world countries I must go on to UNICEF UNICEF were running that programme a number of weeks ago asking people that when you get your vaccine, to give a vaccine when you get a vaccine and they're asking people to go on to UNICEF and donate money because UNICEF are doing brilliant work in third world countries to try to get vaccines out to the poorest of uh, people and it was something I promised when all three of us in the house were vaccinated I'd go online and I've completely forgotten about it because I think the ad stopped running. You know when something's in your face or when you're hearing it a lot in your ear you say oh I must do that and then when it disappears you forget about it so that is something that I must uh, do and when I do it, I'll be encouraging others to do the same as well. I know Liam Nielsen, the actor, he's a big ambassador for UNICEF. He was actually voicing the ad uh, for it. So it's something that we can all please try to consider. Now, by the way, Revenue got back to us. Uh, we We had so many calls in yesterday about the digital COVID certificate and people trying to ring the helpline and I heard Murray there on the news at 12, they are still having problems at that helpline even though a second helpline uh, was set up to deal with queries from people, particularly people who are trying to travel and they need to have their digital COVID certificate in order to get on a plane or to get into another country. And there's huge problems with it. And I was saying to people to hold off that as far as I knew, all the emails, the backlog of the emailed ones are out, except for new people getting vaccinated. They're continuing to get there. Uh, Certs by email. But for those waiting by post, I wanted to try to find out from revenue have they sent out all of the certificates they were due to send out? So they got back to us late yesterday to say that revenue have agreed to print and post just over 950,000, so nearly a million paper COVID vaccination certs and they're doing that on behalf of the HSE. The paper COVID vaccination certs are issued to fully vaccinated individuals where there was no email address recorded. Now, as of yesterday, they say all of the vaccination certs have been processed by revenue and 913,000 of them have been collected by On Post for delivery over the course of last week and up to Monday evening. The remainder were collected yesterday morning and they are expected to have doorstep delivery timeframe of today. So, If next day delivery works and on post have been really doing well with this, I'm assuming that there was a group of people who were waiting to get their COVID certificate in the post would have received it this morning, but maybe hold out until tomorrow. Let's give them another day because they are working so hard. But Revenue said all of the 950,000 that they promised to do, they have processed those. Now, Revenue say they will continue to print and post paper vaccination certs for as long as the services are needed. And that's for people obviously who are continuing to get vaccinated. But anyone who did give an email address, and that explains why some people who went through a GP practice where we were told they would be getting a paper cert from the revenue some of them started contacting us and said I checked my emails and I got an email cert instead if you had given in an email they, then you will get it by email but for everybody else they're getting it in the post so hopefully some people receive them in the post uh, today because I was trying to Stop the frustration yesterday were people who were ringing the high volume of calls that were going through uh, to, to that helpline and particularly for people who were waiting to, for one by the post I was saying give the revenue another couple of days and your search might arrive and I know even yesterday I had somebody got on to me to say that they had spent three hours on Monday trying to ring this helpline and that they couldn't get through and then they heard me say well hold off if it's by post and then they said yesterday morning when they got up the postman arrived uh, with their search because I think what the helpline which is absolutely getting swamped what they're trying to ask people to do is only people who really are travelling in this the month of July and who urgently need the COVID certificate for travel purposes, they're asking only those people to call and everyone else who has a query to hold off so that they can get the people who are in need of travel to get their certs out to them as quickly as possible 1850 333 103, John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103
2: 103 The C103 Cork Diary With the new Explore Cork
4: app a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do
3: Aurora Charity Shop on St. Joseph's Road in Mallow. They're continuing to appeal for donations of clothes, shoes, bric-a-brac, furniture and books. It's for retail in their shop. Proceeds from sale at Aurora go to the Cork Mental Health Association. Freedom in the Park is a free music event it'll be held in Formoy Park on next Sunday from 12 noon music by X Factor star Ben Quinlan and many more talented musicians it's a fun day for all the family there'll be a children's playground on on site and all are welcome you're asked to wear white for peace and Shine a Light on Suicide and Mental Health Awareness are presenting Make Some Noise Cork that's happening on Friday week the 30th of July it'll be streamed live from the Firkin Cray from 7 p.m. to 8:15 p.m. by Unity Media, and links are available on the Shine Light Facebook page.
2: Court today on C103 with Sean
4: Cusack. Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Every Friday, Court Today brings you the movie review on C103.
2: Mark Malone joins Patricia Messenger to give you the lowdown on all the top films to watch.
4: From action to comedy and rom-coms to drama. Go ahead, make my day.
2: The Movie Review on Cork Today, every Friday at 12.40pm with Cinemax Pantry. Get back
4: to the real cinematic experience on C103.
3: Now while we're waiting for John Paul to select our winner for the smart speaker, I want to go to the phone line because I want to catch up with Br- Bridget, who joined us a couple of months ago on the programme about a driving licence issue. Good afternoon to you, Bridget. Hello, Patricia. Now, just to remind listeners, and have to say to you, Bridget, we've had, since you were last on with us, we've had a number of calls from people saying, Did you ever find out how Bridget got on with the driving (laughs) licence? So I need you to go back and just remind us why you contacted us. You had been driving, living in America, and had and, a full driving license. Uh, yes,
8: and also I had, I passed my driving test in London and in Colorado, okay. so I had passed it twice, and I can drive for a year here in Ireland, but there is no recipient, uh, no, what am I saying, you cannot exchange a American license for an Irish one. You can an Australian, any European, etc., but there's no reciprocal Arrangement, Agreement. yeah. So, um, and of course, I couldn't get a theory test. I have to take driving lessons. I have to do my theory test and then do the, le- the driving test. And I've been waiting and waiting. And I got the theory test for Limerick, which is quite far away from me. And it means I'd be away from my husband for a long, you know, a long time, which makes him uneasy. But I called them and they found a slot in Charleville. So I was pulled for bits. Happy days. Great indeed. So on Thursday, I'm all set, all geared up, and I go to the test centre. And you've and,
3: done your study now. You've oh
8: my t- goodness! I know. I look at every sign, and I know everything.
3: <laughs> so you turn up in Charnival to do I, your to do your test. And the gentleman
8: that doing the test said to me, Bridget, are you having a midlife crisis? And I said, Is it my hair? Because I let my hair grow grey during the lockdown but i have a pink fringe okay, it's okay and he said no no it's because you're down for a motorbike test oh dear god and i said but i'm 71 <laughs> <laughs> and he said well i will squeeze you in just call this number and i will squeeze you in today so I said that's really nice and very disappointed and stressed out of my head. And I called the number and she said, No, you can't you can't change it because you did it online. And you'll just have to apply for another date and pay the fee again. So I said, Surely there's somebody that can override this. She said, Well, a member of management. And I said, Could I speak to them? And she said, Okay then. So I talked to this lady same thing. No, no, you can't possibly do that. But I said, he's willing to sit me in today. But she said, all the slots are gone, so you, it won't work. And it was still about a half an hour to my uh, test, because you have to be there half an hour early. And I said, but my slot at 145 is open. And she said, but that's
3: already gone for a motor spike test. <laughs> and so, yeah, t- yeah, that you're not going to be sitting. <laughs> right. So,
8: finally, I gave up and said, okay, because there was no way she could do it. So, I said, okay, I'll just pay, and can you give me another date? Well, I can't take your credit card details. I'll have to get someone to call you back. So, so I did eventually get a call back later that day, and uh, I have now got my theory test on the 12th of August.
3: So, you're telling me you still haven't done it? No! No! Oh, dear God, because John Paul said Bridget is coming on. That's so great, the theory. I thought you were going to tell me the driving test and everything done at this stage. No. Dear God. Isn't it bureaucracy gone mad? Oh, I mean, it's crazy. The slot was open. But because it had already
8: been paid for, for a motorbike, I couldn't take it, even though I should have taken the motorbike test.
3: You should have done. You should have done. You <laughs> probably, probably would have passed with flying, flying colors I'd look great with leathers, with my pink yeah. streaked hair. You would on a Harley Davidson. <laughs> yes. You'd, you'd look fantastic. So you still have no licence? No licence. and um, Luckily, my
8: American licence hasn't run out. Great. Because if it had, I couldn't drive.
3: Yeah, yeah. And you need to be able to drive.
8: Oh absolutely because you know my husband's got Alzheimer's.
3: Yeah, yeah.
8: Yeah. And how is he, Bridget? Actually he's he's doing very well. He likes Ireland and was fine weather In fact The last couple of nights We had dinner out And I played music And we danced on the deck
3: Wow That's gorgeous And you're, and you're loving life in. in I, am really, yeah. I am really I am Yes I'm settled down Well uh, it's just If you could just get this sorted Because you still have to do Okay you have to do the theory test Which we know you'll pass With flying colours And you then have to do The 12 lessons uh, No I only have to do 6 you still have to do six. And well, how, you know, it's, how it's soon, expensive. Absolutely. How soon can you apply to take the test? As soon as you've got your theory test and you've come and you've got
8: your I six think lessons. You have to do the lessons first, or I'm not sure if you can apply in advance once you start the
3: lesson. No, you you can't apply until the lessons because you have to oh, have, them all, you have them all ticked off. Yeah, it yeah, could I, be winter. Yeah, it will. It will, but you will. You, you, you'll have no problem passing the test, but it's just to get you to the stage. That's right. And Bridget, I'm not even going to get into the waiting list for driving tests, because we'll cross no. that bridge when no. you when you get there. Will you let us know after the 12th, darling, I, how you get on? I, I will. I and will. we'll have the candles lighting for you to make <laughs> yes, sure please. you pass with flying colors. I'll, I'll be very embarrassed if I fail. You will not. Dear, well, <laughs> you don't even think of that. Go and enjoy the rest of this fine weather. my will. And up. you too, Bridget. God, God, God bless. God bless. Bye bye again, bye, bye. bye bye. The, the wonderful Bridget in Charleville bless her heart still doesn't have the theory test as I say we've had a number of calls in from people who remember my initial chat with her often wondering did Bridget ever get her driving License. We were uh, hoping at this stage she was passed, passed with flying colours, but unfortunately not. But bureaucracy gone mad uh, for sure. OK, the C103 Smart Speaker Giveaway. We have another speaker to give away. Where am I going? I'm going to Ballinacariga is where I'm going. To uh, Conor O'Neill. Good afternoon, Conor. Love you? I'm not too bad. How's everyone in Ballinacariga today? We're all playing it with the good weather. And now, are you, are you are you loving the heat? or are you one of those Asher's? It's too hot. Oh no, 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 love it,
7: love the hotter
3: it, hotter the better. I, I why well, you up to anything exciting today? Or no, no, I'm just uh, relaxing now for the day today. Good on you, good on you. Okay, you need to repeat for me, please, the winning phrase.
4: Play C103.
3: That's it. Well done. You know what's just okay. happened? You've won for yourself a C103 Smart Speaker. Congratulations, Connor. Fun. Thanks. Thank you. Bye bye. Enjoy Bye-bye. the rest of your day in uh, Balanacariga with his brand new smart uh, speaker. This is the Court Today replay on C103. The question about the COVID, the digital COVID certificate and the name on it not matching your passport. We are we're, we're still trying to get a definite answer on how that would affect you getting onto a plane or landing in another uh, country. We do know if you can get through to the helpline but I'm saying to people unless you're travelling for July, don't get onto the helpline because it's swamped at the moment and they do have, they can access your search and change the name on it for you but we're still trying to find out for sure what happens to people if you are planning on travelling and the name on the search. because we've had a huge number of people that that's happened to, the name that they go by is different to the name that's actually on their passport and we're trying to get an actual definite answer on would the search still be accepted. Now according to multiple All-Ireland winner Anna Geary, more girls Drop out of sport, as they see the world not treating them the same as boys. To discuss the second and final part of her documentary, why girls quit sport, the wonderful Anna Geary joins me. Good afternoon, to you, Anna. Hi, How
1: uh, are you doing? I, Thanks
3: so much for having me on. Well, listen, it, it is our pleasure. And I watched the program last week, and it really packs a punch. It really is powerful for people who didn't see uh, part one and will be coming to part two tomorrow. Can you just explain what the program, what what it's about, and how it works?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it was ultimately me taking on a group of girls from first year all the way through secondary school in Ringsend College in Dublin. Girls that have either never had the opportunity to play sport because perhaps they didn't see themselves as sporty or girls that had fallen out of sport maybe in primary school or in that transitional period between primary school and secondary, which is a very very dangerous time to, to lose teenagers. And really, it was just... I mean, I've seen the benefits that sport has given me in my life. And I'm not talking about the medals and the trophies. It's what I've learned mentally, socially, my self-esteem, and obviously physically. And I was just immersing myself in a teenager's world right now with all of the challenges and with all of the barriers they face. Just trying to understand why it is that they're stepping away from sports and why they don't see it as something that can be part of their lives. And honestly, like it, it really was an eye-opener for me as somebody that is very competitive, has played sports at a very top level and, quite honestly, has probably at times lost sight of what sport is meant to represent in young people's lives.
3: Now, you're you're not that old, but yet, did you do you find that these girls live in a very different world to the world oh. you lived in as a teenager?
1: Absolutely. And I think, I mean, social media plays a massive part in that. And I think it would be very remiss of me not to say that I never fully understood the pressures that are around social media, what teenagers are going through. Like, we, we speak about it a lot, and it's easy to say, oh, they're glued to their phones, but it really has become part and parcel of their social life, of their identity, the pressure that they face aesthetically to look a certain way. They've been bombarded by images, and, you know, this is how you must look, and this is what you should do. And I just think, for me, like first and foremost, sports is an opportunity to put the phone down, whether you're an adult or a young person of any age, you're stepping away from your phone, you're interacting with people one-to-one, face-to-face, Like we missed that connection so much in the last 16 months, and being outside and running around or, in you know, a swimming pool and no matter where you are, I just, I, in a short space of time, I really saw a positive impact that sport was making because the environment was one where they felt it was okay to make mistakes, they, they weren't going to feel humiliated, there was a sense of belonging and a sense of achievement even if they mastered the skills they weren't able to do. And like the first episode, it really it was about laying laying the groundwork, giving context to why the documentary came, about hearing from the experts about the challenges, but for me, i'm really excited for people to see tomorrow evening i, I can'
3: i can't wait because they're already oh, they're, the only them, they're, they're like they're a lovely bunch of girls oh, as well, yes. and you're you're willing them to do well, but some of the experts you spoke to, my jaw was nearly on the floor, mm-hmm. listening to some of them I mean that statistic about this is the generation that more than likely. Their parents will will their parents will outlive them. Yeah, the, 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 I I actually rewound to say, did I hear that right?
1: Yeah, Nile Minor, and I mean we all know Nile is is a wonderful practical approach to um, to health and physical activity, and it was you know really the, the the research that was out there backed up what he was saying because you know fourteen and fifteen year old girls over ninety percent of that category don't get the recommended physical activity levels into their day. And then, you know, we hear about the chronic illnesses that are there and over 90% of those can be helped by physical activity alone. So if we're not encouraging younger people to engage in sports and physical activity, it will be much harder for them to re-engage as adults. And the, the problems from a health perspective that can happen in adult life can actually be prevented and at the very least delayed if you incorporate sports and physical activity into your life as a teenager. So then it's about attracting them to sport. No good saying it. Like, how do we keep them there? And I honestly think it is the environment that we create as coaches. We have to remember, first and foremost, it's not our training session. It's their training session. And I got a rude awakening, Patricia, when I had to re- I was there, my clipboard and my whistle and my stopwatch. It's not my training session. You have to design it around them. Retention should be a definition of success in sport when you're training young people. It shouldn't be just about medals and trophies. Coaches that have groups of people and young people coming back in the gates every year should be commended just as much as those that come back with the trophy. Because if we don't keep them there, well, that's when the knock-on negative effects can happen in their lives. And being a teenager can be such a lonely place. And now, with social media being there and they're told that this is the right aesthetic, and this is, to me, one of the greatest things that I have ever learned in sport is I was allowed to focus on what my body could do rather than just how it looked. It was an instrument, not an ornament. And I think younger girls sometimes feel that pressure more than younger boys. And for them to be proud of what their bodies could do and the power that they had and the skills that they learned, I saw it. Like I saw it with my own two eyes. I saw the confidence levels grow, their esteem, like how they saw themselves change, how they even spoke about themselves changed. And if that could happen in a short few months, I think every parent and coach out there has a responsibility to allow that chance to every young person, regardless if they have the best player on the team or not everybody should feel valued when they take part in sport and sometimes we forget that and we focus on the best players and we yeah. focus on the winning and we, we exclude those that they just want to be there to take part with their friends
3: yeah, You know I've heard more friends uh, even friends of mine say that about their children who mightn't mm-hmm. be very sporty and the reason that they dropped out particularly of a team sport they were left on the bench the whole time and that's yeah. heartbreaking for a mum or a dad to go down to a training session and to see Johnny he's always left on the bench because he's yeah. just not as good as the rest and you wonder why Johnny drops out
1: And it is again because we're, we're, we're missing what sport is meant to representing young people's lives it's meant to alleviate pressure not create extra pressure and I suppose, really, it is. That's what I'm saying. This is more than just a documentary about teenage girls and sport. It is about the attitudes that we have towards sport for younger people. Be it parents, coaches, teachers, and we need to reevaluate where the focus lies. Is it only on the winning and losing? And I'm not against learning about the benefits of winning and losing because I think that's important for younger people. Because you can't always be a winner in life. Yeah, and and
3: you about, know that you've been yeah, there. Yeah,
1: but also it's about switching the main focus. From winning and losing. So, that when your daughter or son comes into the car, the first question you're asking them shouldn't be Did you win? Because subliminally, that's sending a message to them that that's the most important thing. And is it any wonder when, then where they turn away and kind of almost resist the pressure and the seriousness and the discipline and all that that we often associate with sport? Maybe that's fine for adults, but I don't think it's something that 12 year olds need to be facing because that's the reason why we seem to be losing so many that with social media and often younger girls have extra pressures in school and I would I would really appeal to parents to hear me when I say this I you know thankfully studies and I went on I did my leaving search and went on to, to college and sport for me was such an outlet to switch off away from the book and younger girls often in exam years are often expected to give up sports because it's an either or situation it's not it was such a help to me not a hindrance so, you know, and like younger boys don't seem to get that same pressure to give up sports in their exam years. But the amount of messages, Patricia, and I'm talking hundreds of messages that I got from women in particular saying that one of their biggest regrets was giving up sports as a teenager and mm-hmm. they found it so much harder to re-engage as an adult in it. And all the stats show the importance of physical um, physical health and physical activity. Sport can be a great place to get that, whether that's an individual sport or a team sport the sense of achievement that comes even if you only knock a second off your time or only you get a little bit stronger or a little better skill you know it's a sense of purpose like you, you started out with a goal and then you, you hit that goal or you moved a little bit closer towards that goal we all need that like as humans we all need to feel that we're improving some way and to me they were the things that I learned from sport as a teenager and to back myself a bit more because you know the world is a hard place to be in and it's, it's great to have a little bit of self esteem in your arsenal that you can draw on, and when you're on a pitch or in the arena, there's ball coming at you. You know you have to back yourself to win that ball, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know that's like life. When I, and for I, a l- job. I
3: loved the scene where you got it was one of the older girls, the leaving cert, uh, one of the leaving cert girls, where you got her, you pulled her aside, and said, "You need to be encouraging the others." Mm-hmm. And I because thought because that peer encouragement is, yeah. is 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 incredible.
1: And we we speak about Roma a lot in sport, and you're so it's such. It was one of my favourite aspect was getting to know the girls' personalities and figuring out their strengths and weaknesses and drawing them out of themselves a bit more and seeing that potential in them. And we speak about role models and we speak about, you know, the Olympics is coming up and the Euros is on and the inter team. And that's marvellous to have those role models, you know, men and women for boys and girls. But I, I think role models need to come closer to home. And your role models are the older members in your team you know, they are the older girls in school. Like, we had second years talking to Leaving starts. Like, when I was a second year student, if a Leaving cert even knew my name, he'd be walking on air <laughs> down the corridor as a teaching <laughs> student. You, you, you were the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so that, that type of thing is, is, is a role model as well. Parents are role models. How they speak about sport in the home. Are you encouraging your sons more than your daughters? If the daughter wants to give up, are you more inclined to let her rather than encouraging your son to persevere? Are coaches paying more attention to the boys teams than they are to the girls teams you know it's all these small things and I really I do think it's a behavioural and an attitude that we need to have as a society whether that's in the media and even the language that we use like you know that lovely little girls team even that word lovely little yeah. you would never refer to a lovely little boys team no you, would, you wouldn't you know it does, it's, so it's right. it's all, it, it does come it filters down all the way through and ultimately it's about the enjoyment like when I think back to my time as a teenager playing sports. I don't think of all Ireland and representing Cork. I think of the crack that I had in the back of the bus going to matches, the memories that I had, the friendships that I still have to this day. It, they are the things to me that sports has given me. You know more than anything else, any successes or wins or losses. It's the, and the things that I've learned about myself and the resilience that I built up and learning how to cope with not being on the team and having a bad game and you know training hard and understanding that it's more than it's bigger than just you. You know, mm. Your 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 part is being played
3: for a bigger picture. Uh, okay, you along, that, along with the highs of the All Ireland wins. Okay, the final part exactly. is on uh, tomorrow night on RTE. At what time? 9.30 9.30 drama, Anna, is there, I'm looking forward to it Anna Geary's When <laughs> Girls Quit it. Sports thanks for that Anna uh, and I'm really enjoying the show thanks for joining us uh, bye bye that is uh, the wonderful multiple All-Ireland winner Anna Geary uh, it really is uh, and if you missed the first one you can download, download it from the player but the second and final one is tomorrow night at half nine well well worth a watch when we were talking about white goods and dumping them and how previous generations Generations had fridges and washing machines that lasted a lifetime. The oldest working fridge in the UK is still in use more than 80 years after it was made. It's a 1930s Electrolux. It's owned by a family who first bought it in 1943 and said it was an heirloom that would be passed down through the generations. 80 years on, that fridge is still working in a kitchen in the UK. Isn't that fantastic? Okay, that's where I've got to wrap it up for today. My thanks to uh, fully vaccinated John Paul McNamara, who doesn't mind me mentioning that he's fully vaccinated. Uh, thanks to him for producing. Nick Richards is uh, with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. On the 9. Patricia Messinger, very good afternoon. Look after yourself and stay safe. Cork Today on C103
4: with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See MIT.